Master's Cut Podcast. This is for the week of May 28th, 2023, and um, May 28th is going to mark two things. First of all, it is Memorial Day weekend, and I'm just going to put in a little ad here. Uh, This is our second year of doing a Memorial Day offering. You'll see blue envelopes around the worship center. If you give online, there's uh, uh, there's the option of doing a memorial gift or a gift in honor of someone. And so let me encourage you this Memorial Day uh, if you want to honor someone who's living or remember somebody who has gone on to be with the Lord, this is a chance to make a one-time gift. It'll go to the First Baptist Foundation, and it goes to serve the ministries of our church until the Lord sees fit to return. And so um, we, we don't give a lot of hype to this, but this is just a very uh, tangible, sincere way of honoring people who we love, and we'll share all those names and, and the gifts that are given in honor and memory of after Memorial Day. And we'll also do that the Sunday before and after Memorial Day, so it's a three-week run on this gift. But May 28th also uh, is ending the gospel according to the Beatles. I'm getting a little emotional here. <laughs> I'm sad. I should have I should have done like a 15-week series. Oh, we I'm can a, do this annually. No, yeah. no, make I it, don't know. Make it a, do, do part a of our liturgical according calendar. To dot, dot, dot every year. <laughs> We, we could do, maybe just every now and then, just throw in a Beatles song. You know, why, why not? Yeah. Uh, but the, the question of the day is, um, you know, Marissa, Dave, if y'all could choose to do the gospel according to anybody, and, and I think to do a series like this, it needs to make sense to a lot of people. Like we've done the gospel according to Garth and Eagles and, and the Beatles, because they have a pretty Because the Eagles are universal. Come on. The Eagles are <laughs> universal. So, I mean, they, they have a large listenership, but that aside... If just for your own entertainment and edification, if you could do the gospel according to, who would it be? I took that question a total different direction. So I was I wasn't even thinking about my edification or, or my joy. I was thinking how who is an artist that has enough of an impact that that we could reach lost people <laughs> with with someone that's that's that intriguing that has that much of an appeal, and then does their music have enough stuff in it that we could potentially even use the themes raised in their music. Are you to... stalling, Dave? I think you're no, stalling. No, I'm not. So I, the first two <laughs> names that I thought of are Katy Perry and Taylor Swift. I think Taylor Swift has the universal appeal. I don't think either necessarily mm. are, are music musicians that I would appreciate, mm. but because they have such a universal appeal, I think there'd be a big draw there that we could actually talk about the gospel. And has... I would use that as a launching pad to invite people far from Jesus to know Jesus. Has anyone ever thrown up in their mouth on a podcast? Has oh, that ever happened I before? did too. Don't worry. I did too as I said their names. <laughs> well, I hesitated. I'm, just, I'm but... just picking on Dave today. Dave, I'm not going to pick on you anymore. I'll pick on Marissa the rest of the time. So. Yeah, well, we'll have to, keep Dave, we'll have, to wait, uh, we'll have to wait another 30 years before we can do that to keep that same... Um... Yeah. You know, that relevancy. Yeah. Oh, the good old days of <laughs> Katy Perry when rock was innocent. Yeah. 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 Oh, that just makes it worse. <laughs> yeah. Marissa, yeah. what you got? Well, you know, this is one of those questions that's like, oh, I need more time to think about this. Um, but Johnny Cash, I think, oh, would be a great yeah. series. 
When the Man Comes Around is like my, one of my all-time favorite songs. His cover of Hurt by Nine Inch Nails. Nine Inch Nails would be interesting, but I don't recommend it. Yeah. But uh, but Johnny Cash's take on Hurt is gorgeous. Uh, and then you got Ring of Fire. You've got I Walk the Line. You know, there's so many great Johnny Cash songs that would do so, so well. That's actually a possibility. Yeah, that, yeah. that could be a possibility mm-hmm. for a future, even if you're not a Johnny Cash fan. Yeah. Uh, I think you. I think his music is recognizable. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's yeah. props and respect for Cash, for sure. Absolutely. I, I think the only other artist um, that I, I would dare this with uh, would be U2, but I've, I've just never been a great U2 fan. I, I've tried. I've really tried. Yeah. But I and I do like some of their music, but I, I it gets it grows weary to me pretty yeah, quickly, yeah. and that's just me. So. Stop it, Joshua Tree. Yeah. Oh my yeah, Joshua. Oh, that, <laughs> now that is an album worth. And Bono College. lost his journal from when he when he wrote those songs. Yeah. And I think years years later, somebody found it and returned it to him. Oh my goodness! That's very Imagine kind. The monetary value of those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so we're going into the last week of the Beatles series. Uh, we're going to be singing the song Revolution, and we're going to be talking about Jesus' main message. And I, I do want to do a little bit of a pop quiz here, and I hope you'll answer the way I want you to answer. <laughs> True or false, Jesus came to teach us how we could die and go to heaven when we die. Is that Jesus' main message? False. False. Well, you just jumped right out there. I did. Okay, Dave, what's, what's your take? Of course it's false. Come on, man. Okay, well, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just checking, okay, because... Uh, I was in ministry a couple of years before uh, I heard a speaker, and I won't go into who it is, but he said, you know, the the gospel, we, we say we uh, our methods change, but our message never does. And he said, but we need to make sure we're on message. Well, he said, of course, our methods should change, but he said, sometimes we, we boil what Jesus came to teach down to, here's how to go to heaven when you die. Mm. Um, and so we need to make sure if our methods change, we do need to make sure that we are staying on message, not what we want to present, but what Christ presents. And by the way, let me just put the little caveat in here right now. I believe you have a relationship with God. You go to heaven when you die. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that's the icing on the cake. Yes. But the main message is the kingdom of God. Mm. Uh, that was Jesus' first message. It was his last message. It was the theme of everything he taught. Um, and I'm, I'm going to stop dominating the conversation here in just a moment. <clears throat> that means I'm going to dominate it a little bit more. <laughs> but um, my favorite definition of the kingdom, and if y'all have a, another one, please let's throw it out there. Uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of a change of a Chuck Swindoll definition. The kingdom of God is God's rule in the human heart. God's rule in the human heart. That's, that's what Jesus came to teach us. Here's how God can rule in your life, my life, your heart, my heart. And we become literally a part of his kingdom as God rules us. And you just take that word kingdom, lop off off the suffix, you have the word king, how God can be king. Mm -hmm. So any general comments about the kingdom before we look at specific texts? I've always thought about the kingdom of God as as the the literal stuff of heaven that we get to experience in the here and now. And so when Jesus talks about the the kingdom of God is near, we we get to experience the, the dominion. Of, of God in the present, in the here and now. We get to tangibly experience God's presence in our lives. That's right. Yeah. It, it should be. Yeah. yeah. It's the convergence. It's the way that heaven and earth meet um, through Christ. I like how N.T. Wright puts it, that we're going to make God's new creation happen in this world, that we're not passing through this world unscathed on the way to a, a new thing, that, that it's for this world. Very good. Mm-hmm. So let's start, and, and when I actually get down to 
writing this message, I, I think I'm going to jump around a lot more than what we are today. Uh, but I do want to start in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. This is where Jesus begins his public ministry after his baptism, after his time in the wilderness. A prophecy is given because Matthew is written to the Jews, so they wanted to see Jesus. Uh, he wanted to present Jesus as the fulfillment of all the prophecies. A, a, a land of darkness, the light is dawned. But it says, it's almost, uh, if you don't read it carefully, you're going to run right past it. <laughs> but Matthew four seventeen, from that time on, I mean, here was his message. Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And so Jesus' first message, first shot out of the box, is I want to tell you about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. I, I will note here that the four gospels will use these phrases interchangeably. And since Matthew was written to a predominantly Jewish audience, he used a euphemism so as to not offend Jews who... Uh, revered God's name so much that they wouldn't use it. And so we still do that sometimes today. We'll say, well, heaven help us. We mean, we mean God help mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I do like here that our first response to God's rule coming into our lives is repentance. So let's, let's talk about that. That seems to be the, the starting place of understanding God's kingdom. If you want in, here's the passport. And, and not just that, here's the key to citizenship is repentance what you what you guys got yeah we're called absolutely we're, we're called to repent I, I i think of i'm writing the pastor's cut for this week and and as i'm processing this i was actually going to save that for the last piece instead of for the first piece to to describe okay. what does the kingdom of god look like what what are what are the components of it but it demands a response from us and the way for us to experience God's presence is through what Jesus did through the cross. And when we say yes to him, we're also saying, we screwed up. We, we're admitting that, that we made mistakes. We, we've fallen short of God's standard of perfection, according to what Paul says. But we invite Jesus to erase the consequences of sin, but to take care of those through the cross. And then we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. We surrender wholeheartedly to God and allow him to lead and live in and through us. So if you're teaching this, I want you to feel the freedom. You know, this, this is where I'm going to start in the message. As Dave writes, the pastor's cut, that's where it's going to end. I think you have some freedom here to, mm -hmm. to, you know, you know your people, you know the people that you're teaching. Is this what you lead with, or is it what you land with? Um, I, I, if I were teaching this, instead of just jumping out of the gate and defining the kingdom of God, I would have people wrestle with it just a bit. Um, mm -hmm. And unless they've listened to the podcast, they <laughs> they won't mm -hmm. have some clarity on that because it's it is it's hard to define until you define it and you go oh that's that's actually pretty simple right mm -hmm. so if you were to start your class and say somebody define for me if it was Jesus's main message what is the kingdom of God and listen to their responses Marissa what are you thinking when we're talking about repentance we talk about the reason behind it. Um, Jesus was heralding his own kingdom, which is very interesting that he, uh, that he was calling for repentance in much the way that um, John the Baptist did or the prophets of old did. This wasn't a new message necessarily, the call for repentance and the need for repentance, but coupling that with reconciliation was a new thing. Coupling that with a citizenship in the kingdom of God was a new thing. 
Um, and the whole reason why we repent is in order to turn towards the Father, in order to um, restore a relationship that he wants with us, that he desires with us. Um, I think that when we talk about repentance, we often talk about um, how awful we are, and we are, um, but we forget the joy that Christ has in us and the joy that the Father has in us and his great desire for us to turn back to him. That that need for repentance should come from um, a desire to be reconciled to the Father rather than just a, a self-flagellation. And it's yeah. not just reconciled to the Father, it's reconciled to other people right, too. Because yeah. the, the, the brokenness, God never designed us to live in brokenness and God never designed us to walk fragmented in, in our lives. And so to repent also means that we get the benefits of the fullness of God's kingdom in all relationships mm-hmm. with other people, in, in relationships with, with him, in even, as you alluded to with N.T. Wright's quote, relationships even with the world around us. Right, yeah, that's what the revolution is. That's bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth is that horizontal aspect of loving our neighbors as yes. ourselves. That's right. Yeah. Jesus came to start a revolution, and it begins in us, but it doesn't end there. Right. Yes. And the key to entry, that the one thing we most need is the thing that's hardest to do, to admit that we are wrong and that God's way is right. Now, I, I would say, as we continue to follow Christ, that, that becomes a habit that we, re, we daily relive mm. and rehearse to say, I was wrong here, I repent. It, it's an ongoing process. So I could have gone to dozens of passages in the four Gospels where Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Uh, the reason I chose this passage that Marissa is about to read, that, that's me giving her a hint to get ready because she's much. about Appreciate to read it. it. Yep. Uh, it's very short. It's Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. It's only a handful of verses. Jesus tells two really quick, punchy, back-to-back parables but I like them because it points out two very different ways that people discover the kingdom. Mm. And uh, this, again, if I were teaching this, and this will make more sense in just a minute, I would, I would open it up to the class and to share, for them to share their own faith story of how they entered the kingdom initially. I think it could be a very, a very interesting time for a community group. So, Marissa, without further ado, would you read these two very short parables from the lips of the Master? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So these two parables, in in contrast to one another, they have several similarities. Okay, In the first parable, where it's a treasure hidden in the field, the man actually stumbles on it. He's not looking for a treasure. He's not treasure hunting. He doesn't have a map. He almost stumbles on this thing and wasn't looking for it, but um, it's almost as though the treasure found him instead of him finding the treasure. So his response, he sells everything. He buys that field, and of course, he has rights to what's ever in the land as well. In the second parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant, but the treasure didn't find the merchant, the merchant was looking for that one pearl of great price. And when he finally found it, and this is what, when I hunt for antiques, I, <laughs> I kind of have this sense, when I see a piece, I just know, I didn't know I was looking for this, but this is exactly what I've been looking for. And, and when he saw it, he just intuitively knew, 
this is it. And his response is the same. Um, he sells everything because it's worth more than all of his other collection, all of his other merchandise, all of his other inventory, and he buys it. So the response is the same. This is worth. The treasure and the pearl are of great worth. However, how they came to it was radically different. One, it seems the treasure found him, and the other, he found the treasure or the pearl. And so I think that's reflective of the way people come into the kingdom. Sometimes people stumble on the kingdom. They weren't looking for God, and they just kind of stumbled onto him. Just the right conversation or stepping into the right church at the right time. Others live a lifetime of seeking and searching what is truth, where is God. And after that long, intense search, they finally find it. Hmm. I think there's probably a hybrid, too, that maybe it's a little bit of both and for most of us. Mm -hmm. uh, but if I were teaching this, I would spend some time reflecting with the class, you know, how many of you, um, how many of you went through a searching process and finally came to a place of accepting Christ? Uh, or how many of you just, you just kind of stumbled on it? You know, I think one form that would take is, um, you know, I was born into a family that, that loved God and followed Christ. In a way, that's kind of how I stumbled into it. I didn't ask to be born in that family, but because of my family, that treasure was put right in front of me, and I stumbled upon it. So what are you guys thinking? Maybe clue into some of your own story here, if it, if it resonates. What, uh, what are you thinking? Well, I would, I would turn the gym a little bit and um, look nice. at another interpretation of this section. Please. Um, according to rabbinical law, if someone found a treasure in a field, um, then that treasure would automatically belong to the master of that field. Um, so here the man's very careful not to reveal what he's found until he himself has bought the field with everything that he has in order to purchase it and acquire that treasure. Uh, the field, um, in, in one interpretation, is the world, and Jesus is the man who finds the treasure in the field. Um, and for joy, you know, he sells everything that he has. He gives everything of himself in order to... Um, in order to have that treasure, in order to become master of that field, which is the world, to bring the kingdom of God to the field and to acquire that, that great treasure. And it's that anticipation of our reunification with God and our becoming the citizens of the kingdom of God that makes the sacrifice of the cross a joyful decision for Christ, that, that, that this is such a, a beautiful picture of his love for us. And, you know, we did absolutely nothing to be found. Um, we did nothing to merit it, to earn it. Um, he, he came across us and loved us. So in that way, we're the treasure in the field. Right, right. Now go back and explain a phrase that you used, and I understand it, but some readers might not. Let's turn the gem just a bit. Right. So the rabbis say there's, uh, and I'm, I'm going to misquote it, so I've said it better in, in previous podcasts, but um, that there's, uh, there's so many facets and, and so much depth to the parables of Christ that you see the meaning on one facet and see the way the light reflects off that facet, and then you turn it and see how the light and the truth illuminates another facet of it. So there's so many different profound ways that the truth is revealed through his yeah. parables. And I think that's why we continue reading the Bible. It's never a one and done. It's, you know, we're in a different place, or we see things from a different angle. So does that interpretation, and Dave, I do want you to talk, but does that interpretation hold for the second parable? It does, yes. Yeah, the kingdom of God is like a merchant uh, searching for fine pearls. Uh, we're the pearls, the citizens of the kingdom of God that are so, so precious, so fine, so beautiful. But uh, I, I 
when reading these parables, I think of Marie Kondo, and I don't know if you guys are super into Marie Kondo, no. but she's uh, kind of a self-help um, organizer, and uh, she encourages people to pick up objects in their home and, and decide whether or not you want to keep it by deciding whether or not it sparks joy. If it sparks joy, then you keep it in your possession. There's no worth to us at all. There's no value to us at all. Our only value is in the fact that when Jesus picks us up, we spark joy. And, uh, and that's why we have so much great value, not because we're, we're worth anything on our own, but because we bring pleasure to the king. So Marissa's mm-hmm. airbook brings me joy. I'm just going to take it. Can, is that, does that apply? Can I just no, take whatever apply. I want? No, that's a stretch. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I love all the stickers she has on it. She, yeah. has, she has a MacBook Pro. For those that are listening, <laughs> we can't describe it, but she has some really, really cool stickers on yeah. the, the lid. My yeah. favorite is the Murbearers Ride or Die. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Dave, I interrupted you. You were trying to no, speak no, no, a minute no. ago. No, no, no. So as, as I look at this parable, I, I would love to tease out, if I were leading a discussion, just the kingdom of God is like someone who who's, stumbles across treasure in the field. The kingdom of God is like a merchant who's looking for a pearl. I would sort of ask the question, what does it look like to pursue the kingdom of God for you? How, how have you discovered God in your journey? How have you discovered the kingdom? What are some maybe even spiritual disciplines you've cultivated along the way to take it to a different level? Looking at that gem from a little from a different angle, using Marissa's verbiage there, um, what are spiritual disciplines that you've used to discover or to engage with the kingdom of God? Because the way Jesus is describing this, it's two different people who who discover different facets of the kingdom of God or discover the value and significance of the kingdom. In both cases, they were they were out looking for something. Maybe he stumbled across it in a field, but he was looking for something as he was walking through the field. He didn't just randomly trip and fall and, and find it. He probably was doing some research um, <laughs> for the the merchant. Certainly, intentionally, he was he was in the business of collecting pearls, and when he found something that was worth pursuing, he went and did everything. And, and in both cases, the response was that they took action to cultivate disciplines, to, to gather their resources together, to do whatever it took to acquire that thing of value. And so what are ways that, that we cultivate our lives in such a way that we align ourselves with the kingdom of God, that, that we turn our hearts towards the kingdom of God and keep our hearts shifted in that direction? How do we gather the resources within our own soul? And so I'd kind of ask that question and maybe even do a, a lab where we, we share with each other as an exchange, how do you do that? How do you do that? How can we learn from each other to better encourage each other to pursue the kingdom? And that's the commonality of these two um, parables, because whether it was um, somewhat accidental or very intentional, there's nothing they valued more once they discovered it. And that's, that's the key to God being the king of our lives. And, and, and there's room for only one. By the way, I'm going to have to throw in some coronation something from King Charles. I yeah. mean, the, the timing of this works out really well, that we just saw a king be crowned. But, you know, he was crowned as king of the British Empire, whether people wanted it or not. He was the king. But how much more should we, when Christ is our king, there's nothing and no one we value more. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the eternal exercise of our souls as being members of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm going to throw you guys a curveball. I'm sorry I didn't prepare you for this, but I didn't <laughs> think of it. I we didn't. haven't even mentioned the Beatles, so yeah, just do whatever you want. Well, we did. We said revolution. So do, do you want to? <laughs> no, 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 no. Go with. Some, I like. No, Marissa, please. If you've got some revolution details, no, please no, no, give no. It to we're us. we're we're good. Okay, I think I've hurt Marissa's feelings now. Oh no. No, you've hurt the Beatles' feelings. It's your very oh, last Beatles yeah, sermon. It is the last one. I do want you to throw in some Beatles factoids here in just a second. <laughs> okay. So. Um, what I'm going to do, and I, I again, I've not started writing the message yet. I've sketched it out. But if you go to uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 3, uh, there's a little introduction as Luke writes the sequel to his gospel. And it says, After his suffering, Jesus presented himself to his disciples and made many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So as Jesus' first sermon was repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. His last teaching before he left his disciples was on the kingdom of God, and he spent 40 days. And I I used to say, boy, I'd love to have the transcript of what Jesus Mm. told. I think we do have that transcript. I think it's in the Gospels. And I think Mm -hmm. Jesus went back and repeated a lot of the same stories. You know, the kingdom of God is like, you know, a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like yeast. The kingdom of God is like a field. And I think what he did is he began to expound for his disciples what that means. And so I do think that we have that content, uh, albeit not all of it, but a significant amount of it. So if the two of you were teaching this and you just had the free reign to say, let's, let's pick up on another parable of Jesus, something that he taught about the kingdom that is pivotal, uh, your favorite parable, your favorite account, maybe it doesn't actually use the phrase kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, but um, if it makes a point about the kingdom, and I think everything Jesus taught makes, that point, makes a point about the kingdom, where would you go with this? Now, my hint to the teachers is use this as an opportunity for you to, for you to riff just a bit. Mm-hmm. You don't have to stick with exactly what's on the pastor's cut. What's your favorite kingdom parable or kingdom point? I know I'm catching you off guard, so Marissa may need to give some revolution factoids to, to give you all, let all you all right. stall for I'll- time. I'll, I'll give her a minute to stall. Um, since you, you <laughs> I don't even it. need it, Dave, but you you go first. Oh, right on. <laughs> since um since you opened it up to just the parables of Jesus, I'm gonna I'm gonna open it up a little wider. I, I think I would go to Colossians chapter one, probably because I've been spending a lot of time there for my doctoral work. But but Paul specifically talks about the kingdom of of God and the kingdom of the Son He loves. There are very few times where Paul actually talks about the kingdom, but in Colossians one he talks about how Jesus went on a rescue mission to redeem us from from the domain of darkness, from the kingdom of darkness, and transfer us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. That's good. And then he describes who Jesus is in in this early potential worship song that existed. And so I think I would go there as a starting point. That's pretty good. Marissa, can you top that one? Well, I don't know. It's the Bible. You can talk. It's not, it's not a topic. It's not a competition. Listen, why, why in the upside down here? kingdom of God, it's not about competition. Why are both it's of y'all about... yelling at me? I'm just trying to pick on Marissa a little bit. Marissa, I'm better. defending Marissa. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I would go with the parable of the sower and okay. uh, that unforgiving, uh, unforgiving servant um, and look specifically hmm. at Matthew 20. And after all of these teachings of Christ and learning about um, the, uh, the value of people, and um, and the value of meekness, and um, they still wanted to know who was going to be the greatest. They still wanted to know who could lord their power over others. Um, it's r- human nature 
that when we get a little bit of power, it corrupts us. And we want to be able to make other people suffer because we suffered. Um, And Jesus says enough. That's not how it's going to happen in the kingdom of God. Um, You know, the... uh, the, the disciples were living under this brutal empire, if we're talking about revolutions. Um, they were oppressed. They were taxed into abject poverty. Um, their God was being blasphemed on a regular basis. Um, and, and through their association with Jesus, they thought, this is our chance for revenge. This is our chance of revenge on the empire, on those who oppress us, on Gentiles. Um, and they saw a chance to become more powerful than their oppressors, that the shoe would be on the other foot. Um, and we are so much more likely to model our lives on the unforgiving servant than we are the servant of man. So Jesus says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's what we're called to mirror is not the behavior of those who oppress us, um, but the behavior of Christ who gave all of himself. You know, he, he sacrificed everything to purchase that great pearl, and, and that's what we're to do also, give ourselves bodily, uh, body and soul, blood and everything um, for others. Not so with you, four pretty dramatic um, and life-changing words. Uh, if if I were to freelance on this or, or riff on this just a bit, I and I too went beyond just the boundaries of the Gospels. I went to the Book of Revelation, uh, mm. as Paul. Uh, excuse me, as Paul. Uh, Paul's dead. <laughs> I've been rubbing as, off on Paul you. Paul is apparently. dead. Ooh, that's Paul a little Beatles reference. Paul, oh, yeah. hey, oh, how about hey. that? Nice, very nice. Well, before I go into mine, Marissa, please give us some Revelation <laughs> factoids, please. Oh, sure. Okay, okay. We'll try to tie it into the end too. Um, John had become increasingly agitated and jaded since the days of the summer of love. You know, we started this series with All You Need Is Love. And he had been kind of um, burnt out by what he had seen in the world as these revolutions um, that said they were for the people became corrupted and became destructive and became violent. And he also knew that status quo wasn't okay. Um, So there had to be a third way. So the song Revolution, which they took in three different versions, Revolution 1, 9, and the the original, um, was all about what's your plan? What is this revolution going to lead to? How are the ones that are going to destroy everything, how are you going to build it back up? And he kind of waffles in this kind of count me in, count me out, I don't know. But um, he has some really good ways of kind of explaining himself and some really bad ways of explaining Mm -hmm. himself. Um, But it's all about a revolution that is about power and treating other people like fodder. And and when really, you know, it's it's about the people. Yeah, and and that's the revolution Jesus came to spark was, was not denigrating to people. They'd had enough of that. Right. This was about acknowledging the reality of we are made in the image of God, and we are made to relate to Him uh, in a right relationship with Christ and others as a result of that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the passage I would go to, and I, and I probably will touch on this on, on the Sunday morning that I teach this, um, Revelation 1, verse 9, uh, I, John, your brother and companion, and then he gives off three characteristics, in the suffering, the kingdom, and the patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the Isle of Patmos. And he goes on with the rest of the introduction. But I find that little triptych that he gives there to be interesting because a kingdom characteristic that you learn 
uh, very quickly in seminary is the kingdom is already, but not yet. Right. The kingdom has come, but the kingdom has not come in its fullness. And so John picks up on that, I think, rather intuitively. He says, you know, we live in a time of suffering. The kingdom has not come in its fullness. Rome is still in charge. You know, we still live in a violent world today. Um, but the kingdom has come between the not yet and the, al- uh, the already and the not yet. Between those is patient endurance, mm-hmm. that we keep on following Jesus, we keep on loving God, we keep on loving others, even when the whole world tells us otherwise, because Jesus is our king and no one else, not even ourselves. There we go. Mm-hmm. Take that, people. <laughs> All right. Any last comments, guys? If you want to read more about the kingdom of God, uh, I would suggest reading George Elton Ladd's book, The Gospel of the Kingdom. It's it's a good compilation looking, uh, I think, specifically at the Gospel of Mark, if I remember right, but but he looks throughout the, the synoptics and, and tries to unpack that phrase, kingdom of God, and all the places that it's used, and what does Jesus mean by it. It's it's a good study. It's it's a little dense. It's a shorter book, but it's also pretty dense. So it's not for the faint of heart, <laughs> but it's a good resource on the kingdom of God. Go ahead and give that title again, George Eldon Ladd. The Gospel of the Kingdom. Perfect. I'm I'm writing it down right now. <laughs> All right, um, Marissa, you got anything? No, we're good. Let's do it. Okay, let's call we're, it. We're done. We're out. Uh, next week, <laughs> we're going to start. Um, we're going to spend the summer in the Book of Hebrews. And uh, here's my pep talk for Hebrews. We're, we're going to take on Hebrews, not because it's easy, but because it's difficult. And that's exactly why you should take on things sometimes, mm-hmm. because it's not the easiest book to deal with. So buckle up. Here we go. All right? <laughs> Everyone good? Well, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you. And may God grant you peace, now and forever. Amen? Amen. 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 Amen.